Hey everyone, it's Jeff from Modern Combat and Survival, and listen, one of the reasons why gun magazines can put out information every single month is because there's always new weapons coming out on the market from manufacturers. There's new pistols, new rifles, new shotguns. There's always something to do test on and to try and promote within the magazine. So, it can be pretty mind-boggling trying to figure out what are the best weapons for you to add to your personal defense arsenal. Well, to answer that question, I got in line with Todd Woodard of GunTest.com, and it's his job to run tests every single month on different weapons that are sent to him and give you the pros and cons. So I think you're really going to get a lot out of this interview that I did with Todd because I really raised, actually, it opened my eyes to a few things that I'd never really thought of when it came to choosing the best personal defense weapon. So listen to uh, what he had to say about each of the class of weapons and see if it doesn't open your eyes, too. Check this out. If bullets were flying, your adrenaline surging, would you hit your target? If the world as you know it crumbled tomorrow, collapsed into chaos, would you know how to survive? If you and those you loved were cornered by a gang, violently attacked, could you protect them? Could you protect them? Could you protect them? Tactical firearms training, urban survival, close quarters combat. This, this is another podcast to help you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. This is Modern Combat and Survival. When you're looking for the best weapon to protect yourself and those you love at home or in public, you may be tempted to flip through any of the several gun magazines at the newsstand or ask any of the self-proclaimed experts down at your local firearm store what's most effective. Now, if this sounds familiar, then you probably also know how frustrating it can be to get a different answer from nearly every source that you research. The fact is, your choice of a personal weapon is just that, personal. And it's hard to find a one-size-fits-all solution that'll fit everyone's needs and capabilities. But when it comes down to it, the best firearm for you is the one that you're trained with and can accurately shoot under stress in a real attack. But it also needs to be designed for reliability and tactical response when you need to perform. Now, while your training will take care of the former, choosing the right weapon that's tactically reliable can be measured and tested. And that's exactly what our guest today does for a living. Hello, everyone. This is Jeff Anderson, editor for Modern Combat and Survival Magazine, with another survival podcast to help you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and patriot. And today we're joined by Todd Woodard of gun-test.com to share his organization's inside analysis on the best features to look for when choosing a firearm for personal and home defense, including tactical shotguns, rifles, and handguns. Todd, welcome to the program, man. Jeff, I appreciate it. I always love getting your input on all this stuff, so I'm really, really excited about this. Now, listen, everybody, if you haven't, uh, if you haven't heard our interviews with Todd before, Todd is the brainiac behind every gun owner's magic wand wish when it comes to knowing the real deal about which firearms are effective and which ones are defective. Now, his publication, Gun Tests, provides an unbiased evaluation of the top handguns, rifles, shotguns, and shooting accessories on the market. In fact, unlike most major magazines, Gun Tests accepts no commercial advertising, so they're free to tell the truth no matter which manufacturer it's going to upset. If you're looking for fair and reliable ratings and recommendations for the best personal and home defense weapons, I highly suggest you become a subscriber of this publication. You can check it out now at www.gun-tests.com. Now, Todd, I want to jump right into all this stuff. So, Todd, 
probably the most popular first weapon people are looking to buy is a handgun for home defense. Now, there's always going to be debates on which particular gun is best for use in your home, but what would you say are the most important features someone should look for when making their own personal choice? It seems to me, especially recently, that people who are really experienced with firearms, like you, um, like a lot of my readers, um, tend to make decisions that are good for them and not necessarily good for their household. And I say that because the needs and wants and desires of a 300-pound man that can handle a lot of recoil are not the same things for his wife and or adult children. So I look at this home defense issue a lot differently than a lot of people do. I try not to focus on the best thing for stopping an attack. I look at it, what I think is from a more practical viewpoint, and that is if we're going to buy a home defense handgun, what is the handgun that I can that is sufficient, but that I can get everybody trained up on inexpensively and comfortably? The notion that we have to have a single stack 45 shooting 185 grain hot jacketed hollow points, it's not the best gun for everybody. It may be the best gun for me, and it, that may be my nice handgun, but if I'm going to choose something for my home defense, Home is an inclusive word. It is not a Todd's defense because my wife Tracy is part of this, this part of this deal. And if I'm gone, she's got to be trained up to be able to defend herself in the eventuality that there's no help. So when we talk home defense handguns, that's the angle I approach it from. And I think it's the most important thing. Technically though, it's something that everybody can shoot. It has sufficient capacity. It's easy to operate. So a, a seven-shot 357 Magnum uh, Smith & Wesson revolver fulfills a lot of those needs. Easy to shoot. Weight's not really an issue where you don't have to port it, port it around, carry it. Um, and you can do a variety of different things with the sights to make it visible in low light. Well, you also brought up maybe um, some other things that might be good. I mean, you mentioned a kind of cursory, but like, um, does it have sites that you can see in low light? Especially if you're looking at home defense, I'm thinking maybe, you know, a lot of these happen in low light situations. And and are the sites another one of the aspects of one of the features that you look at? They have to be. Um, as I've gotten older and my eyesight is degraded, I just can't read the sites anymore. Hmm. I can't see... Uh, a targeted distance and then a clear front sight. And so I've, I've fitted all my personal guns for lasers. Yes, there is a chance that they'll fail. The reality is that if I keep batteries in them frequently, I change the batteries in my lasers at the same time I change the batteries in my, uh, home smoke alarms. It is, uh, it is more expensive that way, but I never have to worry about they're not being powered to them to the uh, laser. Yeah. So I like lasers because they can be shot from any position. They're easy to understand as long as you're sighted in for the distance with, you know, seven and a half to 15 yards, depending on how, how close you want to work. They're just really easy to figure out and it doesn't require a lot of technique in order to shoot them accurately in a self-defense situation. Good point. 
point. You know, Todd, when it comes to concealed carry handguns, it seems like there's a lot more that needs to be considered in choosing the right weapon. What specific details should someone evaluate when deciding which firearm would best to quickly draw and put into action and from concealed carry? Will they carry it? That's the most important thing. And the first question is, what will you carry? And I personally don't like to bring people into the culture where you say, I, I need a gun for self-protection. I'm going to go get my CHL. And now I've got to decide what gun I need. Okay. We're going to help you try to decide what gun you need. But let's look at your lifestyle and see what you will carry. And then we can get into the technical aspects of what fits that. And if you've got a 115-pound woman and she says, you know, I'll strap on a 357, 4-inch famous 357. I am happy with that. Okay. Let's, let's let that gun ride on you for a while and see if that's actually the truth or if it will ride in your purse or however you're going to carry it. I'm not, I'm not against power. I like power, but only controlled power because if you're not going to carry it all the time wherever you're legally allowed to, as part of your lifestyle, then it's not really a concealed carry gun. It's it's an accessory. Hmm. If somebody is um, so that so the first step is decide how you, um, like how you're going to carry it because I guess that that really decides on what type of gun is going to best be drawn either from a shoulder holster if somebody is maybe is is more of a suit wearer or if they're wearing something either off of their belt from um, on the side or behind, or if they've got it tucked into like a, um, a holster that goes inside the uh, the pants, inside the waist, waistband, and it's tucked underneath the belt line. So from there, that determine, that really determines what what guns, I guess, will be drawn more comfortably and worn more comfortably? Yeah, it's your lifestyle. If you're a businessman or a businesswoman and you're going to carry frankly, in situations where you're in a lot of transitional spots. You get in your car. If you're going to carry from the car into business places that allow it, then you need to be able to do it or it's not going to print because the facts of the matter are that people get freaked out when they see guns or when they suspect guns are on people. I'm not saying that's right or wrong. I'm saying that's just the way it is. So you have to choose. You have to choose a lower-profile weapon or tighter, more fitted clothing because you really have to keep it concealed. And that has to be the prime concern. Then secondarily, once you've satisfied that, transitioning from your vehicle into your workplace and it's still on your body, then can you extract it? That's a solvable problem. But the first part of the problem is, how am I going to wear it? And that can be shoulder holsters, inside the waistbands, Probably for business clothing, it's not really uh, that good an idea to carry in a pocket because they'll print in dress pants. Almost any gun will print in dress pants. So it has to be it has to be something that's going to be in your waist that can be covered or that can be tucked somewhere. There's really no other choice. Well, there's ankle there's ankle carry too, but yeah, that's pretty um, it's pretty wonky. Yeah. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's uncomfortable unless you're really used to it. Yeah, yeah. Well, that makes sense. So there's a lot of good points in there from, you know, deciding what you want to, um, how you're going to carry, knowing like what your lifestyle is first, and then how can you, the transition of it, how comfortable is it from getting from the car 
to work, to go into the bathroom, to everything. Um, and then how easily can you take it out when you need to draw it? Is it easily, to, is it easy to draw? Is this something that you can do down at the local gun store? Like if you normally carry, um, will they allow you to kind of put it on where you would normally carry it and, and test it for um, being able to draw it? Depends on your gun store, and oddly enough, that's part of how to select somebody who's going to be a commercial relationship for you. Yeah, that's a good point. And, and there's no – when you really think about the relationship that you're going to have with a gun dealer, it's a bad word, with a, a gun store, <clears throat> the guy's – we do a lot of testing at Tactical Farms in Katy, Texas, and I talk to them all the time outside what we're doing on the testing side and ask, what is it that y'all are trying to do with customers? They're actually on the retail side of the counter. So what's your approach? And their answer is what I consider to be the best one, and, and that is we're trying to help people make a life-or-death decision, and we have to try to use our knowledge to help them get to the right decision. That's the relationship, or that's the kind of relationship you need to have. It doesn't have to be a storefront guy. There can be an FFL in your neighborhood who isn't a storefront guy, whom you trust, and who will give you good advice about how to get started, but then you have to verify the information yourself. Yeah, that's where gun test comes in. I like the, uh, you guys do great reports on, uh, on very specific uh, firearms, so it's always a good resource. We've been talking with Todd Woodard of gun-test.com about how to choose the best weapon for your own personal defense arsenal. We'll be back with more from Todd here in just a minute. We'll be talking about carbine rifles, tactical shotguns, as well as probably the most overlooked weapon in everyone's arsenal. Uh, more on that in just a minute, but first, check out the special messages we have for you. What if everything you knew about how to stop a violent attacker with your gun was wrong? Discover the advanced tactics you must know now to protect yourself and those you love with a firearm. Check out our free book, Stopping Power Secrets. Inside, you'll find such no-hold-barred shockers as one, the three most common myths and misinformation shoveled out by movies and gun range know-it-alls that could get you killed in a real-life gunfight, two, the cold, hard truth about your personal weapon's ability to be a one-shot man-stopper, three, what coroners know about selecting the right ammo for your firearm that you don't, four, and the simple training trick used by Abrams tank crews and commercial airline pilots that will prepare you for a real attack even better than your best day at the range don't place your family safety in the hands of hollywood fairy tales and hearsay claim your free copy of stopping power secrets now, now. at www.stoppingpowersecrets.com and now back to the show Okay, we're back with Todd Woodard of gun-test.com talking about how to choose the best personal defense weapon for many different classes that you would look at for your own arsenal. Todd, one of the areas that I think many gun owners ignore but should consider more often is the carry of a backup weapon. I think people naturally associate a backup with law enforcement. Yes. But really, if you're forced to engage a criminal or, or criminals, like if it's a gang situation, it's basically the same scenario that a police officer would be in anyway. So it makes sense for people to really consider the, the use of a backup weapon. You know, and the other thing I think about with it is 
you know, it can come in handy if you need to pass it off to a spouse or a companion for them to protect themselves. Now, these types of firearms are typically smaller in size, and I think that's why a lot of people typically just kind of overlook them. And because they're smaller and because they're more different than what people, I think, are used to, it seems that they have their own specific design specs that would make them effective as a reliable backup. Can you share the most critical things that you should look for when testing this class of a handgun? Well, you hit it, and that is it's, it's got to be something small enough that can be concealed, deep concealed. Um, and you would only use the backup in an extreme circumstance. That's why it's called a backup. So that's the gun that you strap to your ankle. Um, that's the gun if you're, if you're wearing your primary weapon and inside the waistband location behind your back, you may be able to drop a revolver in a front pocket. You know, it depends on clothing and your ability to conceal. <clears throat> but it's, it's, it's notion, it's, it's reason to be is if, if somebody is inside and I can't get to my primary weapon inside my defense perimeter, I can't get to my primary weapon, can I get to my backup, and under what circumstances am I going to be able to use it? And usually that's at contact distance, somewhere between three yards and right on top of you. So locating a gun where ideally you can get to it with either hand or you can get to it with your weak hand because your strong hand's occupied, that's there's so many variations to think about there. Generally speaking, it has to be small, and there are reasons why detectives carried 38 snub-nose revolvers for decades, because they fit all of these ideas about what a backup handgun should be. And it's, it's actually kind of hard to beat a 38 special revolver loaded with plus-P ammunition for that situation, small plenty of capacity for contact distance, and both Smith and Wesson and Taurus make good revolvers for that particular job. Well, I think you're really right to focus in on you know the, the operable word of dependability when it comes to backup. I mean, your, your backup weapon needs to be dependable. When you think about it, your primary weapon can become less dependable. It can be, you know, it can get thrown in the mud. It can, it can just jam on you and you're not able to clear it in time or anything. And so the backup weapon that you have has to be able to be something that you can count on. And that's why I think, you know, the revolvers arguably really shine in this category. And maybe, you know, this is why the old school snub revolver that has been carried by police officers and, you know, other, other law enforcement and, and private detectives for so many years is because it's so dependable. I mean, a revolver is going to arguably be, arguably be more dependable than another one, but the snub nose also can't, it's small enough to wear on your ankle. It's small enough to wear deep cover. So I think that's really where it shines as well as in that dependability as a backup. And Todd, many experts suggest a tactical shotgun as the best weapon for home defense. They have amazing stopping power, they have good accuracy in the home, whether or not you're using slugs or buckshot, and there's a whole debate on that, which I don't even want to get into, but when shopping for a tactical shotgun for home defense, what three features have you found to be the most critical for reliability and effectiveness that someone should be, should be considering? 
Our personal choice is the Mossberg Cruiser 410. Uh, it comes with a, a hand grip. It, it does have a full stock, but we configure it with just the hand, the uh, just the rear grip, and it has enough barrel length and it has enough overall length to not be a BATF any other weapon. It's easy to shoot. It's easy to understand pump action. Um, it is light enough and it has light enough recoil where um, my wife can handle it very confidently and very easily. And she's not a big person. So that's actually our choice. Our primary choice is a 410 shotgun because it is maneuverable, it is lightweight, and it is something that we can train on. Easy to understand as well. The the condition it's always in is completely filled up with actually around almost in the chamber. The the pump is actually opened a half about half of the action length, so the gun can't fire. But it's left off safety with around semi chambered. And if we need it, the training that we do is push the push the hands forward, the gun's ready to go. There's nothing else that has to be done. And that's an easy thing for us to understand under stress. It's an easy thing to train for. It's something that we can train for safely on any range. So I prefer shotguns for home defense because they have or they can have everything that we need. Um, so do you have to have a 20 or a 12? It depends on what everybody's ability is to shoot it. If, if it were just me, I'd love to have, um, I'd love to have a gun that had more stopping power, but I'm not the only one in the equation. Yeah, so the ability for other people in the household to be able to manage it is, is a big factor as well. And because it is in a home defense and because people have, you know, hallways or different areas, I mean, I guess, like, um, maneuverability can be an issue, having the barrel length short enough so that you can maneuver around areas if you have to. Um, we don't suggest people clear their home, but if you had to for some reason or if you had to, you know, uh, make your way to a safe room, um, whatever it might be, maneuverability is, is of course, an, an option, as you, as you put, too. And then, and then lightweight is another good option um, for being able I mean, those things get pretty heavy. I remember, I remember picking up a shotgun when I was in the military that I wanted the Spaz 12-gauge shotgun, like the assault tank, basically, of shotguns, until Ooh. I picked it up. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, and then uh then it was basically like a biceps workout just trying to pick the thing up but uh but all good points. You know, well, Todd, that, go ahead. That thing that you mentioned and when you put home defense in it, there are different standards for every household. But the thing I always come back to is if when you say home, that is not just you. And if something happens to me in a, in a home defense scenario, um, can other people in the house protect themselves and me? I mean, we are in this thing together. Yeah. So we have to have something that everybody's familiar with. That's our philosophy. Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. 
Now, Todd, one of the often ignored weapons for home defense that could be a solution for someone is the carbine rifle, like the AR-15 and others. Yes. Accuracy and stopping power are definitely advantage, and for home defense, their shorter barrel length and lightweight design also make them at least a viable option that someone should consider. So from your experience in testing, what features would you look for in choosing a carbine for home defense? You named them. Um, the, the carbine has a lot of advantages if you're going to get it in not quite short barrel rifle length. <clears throat> They're lightweight enough for pretty much anyone to handle. Recoil is light enough for pretty much anyone to handle. The disadvantage versus a shotgun is that you have to be a little bit more accurate placing a single projectile than you would a buckshot round. You have a little bit more latitude. With a six-inch pattern at three to three to ten yards than you do with just a .22 caliber round. So... The carbine is nice because it's lightweight, it's easy to shoot, it's pretty easy to understand and train on. Um, the issue is, will you spend the time training on it and how are you going to be able to prep it for working in corners in your house? The That's just, that's a difficult thing to understand for somebody who doesn't shoot a lot. Maybe your wife does shoot a lot and she understands what needs to happen. So that's that's kind of the defining relationship there. If you're going to go with the carbine, everybody's got to shoot it. And it's got to be accessible, and it's got to be pretty much ready to go. So if you're willing to do all, all those things, the carbine's a fantastic choice. What are some things I should look for? Like when I go to the, the, to the gun store, um, what are some of the things I'm looking for in making a personal decision? I'm going to tell you something that, I've only come to, I've only come to recently. I'm in the process of actually making this happen commercially. I think I'm going to go to suppressors because regardless of what, just for my home defense, because, um, the reality is that if you're shooting anything in a closed space, it's going to be, if you're not used to doing that, the muzzle flash and the, the report can take, can literally take yourself out of the fight. So I'm trying to look at solutions for our home defense shotguns and handguns to get them suppressed hmm. because that's a huge advantage. And it is expensive and it requires interacting with the government to get the tax stamps. But as I've thought this over, in the situation where I have to fight, I don't want to blind myself. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to deafen myself if I'm shooting a shotgun or a or a um, high caliber handgun in a hallway. And I know now, after shooting in closed spaces on ranges, I mean, it kind of makes me jicky standing there with only plugs in, rather than plugs and muffs. If I'm standing there and I'm shooting in a contained space in a range with just plugs, the recoil off the shooting stall walls is substantial. Hmm. And I thought, well, this is in a controlled space with light and everything else, and that kind of reverb is making the, um, making the gun hard to handle as a result. What would happen if I were completely unprotected? So that's the next thing I'm looking at is, am I going to be willing to 
go through the legal maneuverings and the money necessary to equip my home defense firearms with suppressors. But I'm I'm pretty sure I'm going to go that way. What about for average Joe six-pack out there that um, maybe can't get a license for suppressors or something like that? I mean, like one of the things I've thought about in my choice is compatibility with a handgun. So if you need to, I guess, have crossover ammunition. So like like choosing like either a, a 5.56 AR-15 or a 9mm carbine that will, you know, the ammo will also go with your 9mm pistol. Is that... Is that important at all to you, or what's your thoughts? It is, um, and this is where the carbine can make sense in terms of a defensive rifle. Let's say, let's say your operation plan for your house is you have two nine millimeter handguns with somewhere between fifteen plus one. Let's say fifteen plus one is a. Let's say they're all the same gun, and that's the size. And then you've got a nine millimeter AR style upper on a as an AR-15 carbine. Wow, plenty of firepower. You have the additional ability of being able to shoot more accurately with a rifle in that space. Um, and everything, you know, ideally you'd be able to move magazines from gun to gun. It's to be a little trickier because that limits the size of guns that can do that. Mm-hmm. But the options are out there where if you want to make your, your home defense materiel 9mm, now you choose Glocks and a Kiltec. I can't remember the name of the gun. Maybe it's the Sub 2000. Yeah. I can't remember which one accepts Glock magazines. Mm-hmm. Well, and along with that, one of the options that I really like that I've been researching a lot lately is the carbine conversion kit, where you can just take your primary pistol and lock it into essentially the carbine, you know, rifle barrel that turns your handgun into a basically a, an almost a short barrel rifle and you can get them at a at a at a, a rifle length that still is within the legal limit for most people or if you have a short barrel rifle license you know, it makes it gives you even more options with things like the Roni or or something else but that allows you to quickly like within 5 seconds turn your pistol into a rifle to give you better accuracy and then if you need to you can you can quickly take it back out and use it as a pistol again. And I'm, I'm really a fan of, of, of those as well. I've been doing a lot of research on them. And these carry extra ammo on them as well, you know, extra clips. So you can easily have quite a few rounds available to you right there with your rifle. Well, then, you know, you're looking at somewhere around 45 to 60 rounds in a home defense situation. You should be okay. You should be. <laughs> Hopefully you are. <laughs> if... If you're not, then you have misidentified your external threat. Yeah, that's where we talk about how do you choose the best uh, M1 Abrams for your uh, for your personal defense weapon. <laughs> Great. Well, Todd, thanks so much for uh, for sharing your gun testing expertise with us today. You know, I know all the tips that you gave are going to be a real big help to everybody. You know, when they're headed down, when they're trying to figure out what they need to choose and to carry for their home defense and and for personal defense. So I really appreciate you taking some time. Listen, everybody, I highly suggest you grab a subscription to the Gun Test Report. I mean, as you can see, there's there's a lot of uh, information that goes into making the right choice, and there are are a lot of guns that fail that test, and that's what the Gun Test Report was really designed for, to give you kind of that 
that no biased information about what really works out there and get past all the glitz and glamour of all the gun magazine ads that, that are out there pushing this stuff. So I definitely suggest that you take it, uh, take a look at it. It's over at Todd's website at www.gun-tests.com. Now you can, uh, you can catch us here on, uh, for our next survival broadcast coming up soon. And until then, this is Jeff Anderson saying train hard, stay safe, prepare now. This has been Modern Combat and Survival. Survival. We hope you've enjoyed the show. You can help us out by rating our podcast on iTunes and leaving a comment. You can check us out on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Modern Combat and Survival. And don't forget to claim your free subscription to Modern Combat and Survival magazine at www.moderncombatandsurvival.com. Lock and load. And we'll see you next time. This has been Modern Combat and Survival.